Welcome to the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast, where sexual taboos around sex and motherhood are broken. I'm Tilly Storm, holistic sex and intimacy coach, Jade Egg, and tantric sex teacher. I work with high-achieving moms to ignite their sexual desire and break through their blocks to pleasure and the life they desire so they can experience epic sex and orgasmic motherhood. Grab more free resources at www.tillystorm.com. This episode is brought to you for free by the Essentially Embodied Woman Collective, my signature women's group coaching program for high-achieving moms to get their desire back after having kids and up-level their pleasure, both in the bedroom and life. If you're enjoying this content, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app, and please rate and review the podcast and share it with a friend who could use this amazing content. Spread the love, hot mama. Welcome back to the podcast, Mamas. It's Tilly, and we have a special guest, Dana McNeil. Hi, Dana. How are you? I'm great, Tilly. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you on because you are a relationship therapist who specializes in the Gottman method and techniques, which I'm so excited to talk to you about today. Tell me a little bit about you and what led you to this line of work in the first place. Oh, what leads us all is usually a you know, path of some coming over here and coming over there. Right. So I was not a therapist in my earlier life. I worked in the corporate world. I was a property damage claims adjuster and sort of got to this path by dealing with people's trauma. Because what I found was that when we have trauma, we don't really know how to share it. We don't have people that are interested in it. And when it happens to us as a community, say that you've had a hurricane or a tornado or some kind of major catastrophic event, there's nobody checking in with you. There's no resources. And so I sort of got the therapy bug from being there for my clients because I had to, yes, I saw a tree fell on your house. Can we talk about repairing it versus, Hey, I need to take you in the basement and show you where I hid. And like, here's what was going on. And here's how long it lasts. People really needed to process their trauma. And so simultaneously, as I was deciding to become a therapist, I was also in a relationship like many of us are, and it was a long distance relationship. And so I'm that weird, you know, hey, let's do research on how to make our relationship better before it gets to be a problem. So I started researching, I found the Gottman method and I'm like, I'm all in, this makes sense. It's evidence-based, there's 40 years of research. Couples who use these techniques report their relationship is improved by 86%. Let me into this. I want this, right? Matching feelings with science. It was totally my jam. The Gottman method was something I was introduced to in my training as a sex, love, and relationship coach, but nothing that I ever dove into or thought to, you know, learn that much about because there were already experts in that space. So I would love for you to tell me, well, all of us, just a little bit more about that particular training and method and why you think it's awesome. So John and Julie Gottman, who are the founders of the theory um, 40 years ago, plus 40 years now, we're trying to figure out what is it that makes a successful relationship, right? What are these couples doing where they seem to get along all the time? They're each other's best friend. They're able to talk about things without shutting down and getting defensive and going into what we call in the Gottman world, negative sentiment override, right? Sometimes we get to a place in relationships where it's been such a problem for so long that I just assume that you're going to do something mean to me. I just assume that you're going to push all my buttons. I assume you're doing that to irritate me, 
right? What were couples who were managing to stay out of negative sentiment override and really negotiate a relationship through conflict, treating it like it was normal, through having to find compromise, even when they didn't want to, what were they doing? And so what Julie and John found was there's no training. We're not you know, talking about this stuff in high school, that these couples who were naturally doing it, we wanted to find out what were the behaviors that they were doing? What were the words that they were saying to each other? And we wanted to turn it into a science. So we called those early specimens, the masters of relationships versus the rest of us, which is the disasters of relationships, right? We make the same problems over and over again. We don't know why our relationship isn't working out. Six years later, we needed to go to therapy. We still haven't. And then we show up and we think we're going to be cured in one session. What? Right. And so John and Julie took all of these techniques and then they put them through clinical trials. And what they found is what I said, couples who use these techniques report their relationship was improved significantly. 86% is a big improvement. And so what that gives a breath of fresh air to all of us is as your therapist, I'm not going to be in your life forever, right? You're going to need to take these set of tools. We have over 50 different tools so that we can learn new ways to talk about things, new ways to approach problems, how to talk about sex, right? How to talk about our values, how to talk about money and chores and all of those parts of our lives and not make it feel like it's World War III every time we bring it up so that these are actually getting addressed. And they found that there's these four patterns of communication, which John and Julie call the four horsemen, defensiveness, criticism, contempt, stonewalling, right? That these are inherent in all of our relationships, but there's things that we can do differently. We just need to know what to do differently. And so that's kind of the basis of the very, you know, simple parts of the Gottman method, but simple aren't easy. Right. And so so many of us are finding ourselves getting defensive and shutting down and not knowing how to repair that. So couples come to a relationship expert, not because they're broken, not because they're you know ready to throw in the towel. Hopefully they're coming in because they want to get some skills so that their, their relationship feels better, so that they're modeling for their children what healthy couples communication looks like so that they're using these techniques in all of their relationships. I don't just talk to my partner. I talk to you, right? I talk to my coworkers. I talk to people at the grocery store. It's an investment in myself. And, you know, the secondary factors that also, also benefits my relationship. Yeah. Mm, awesome. Thank you for that wonderful explanation. I could ramble on about it all day. If you can't tell, I'm like, I drank the Kool-Aid. I am all about being a, the best communicator I can be. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Okay. Can, can you share with me, uh, what, how do you know if something going on in your partnership is more of a relationship issue or a sex issue? How would you know? Well, I mean, other than when couples say like, we're not having sex, can, can you just like help us have better sex? And then we don't need to come to therapy anymore. I mean, cause that is a thing, right? People come like, well, there's a problem with our sex life. So we're specifically coming here. No, Dana, we don't need to talk about any of our other issues. We just need to talk about sex. Well, it's not sex per se, it's intimacy, right? If I'm not comfortable asking for my needs, talking to you about what you want, what's important to you, what's not important to you, what do you like? How do you like it? When do you like it? If I'm too embarrassed or overwhelmed to have those conversations and I'm just avoiding them, that's not just a sex issue. That's we don't have 
comfort with each other. We don't feel safety with each other. We don't feel like we have influence on with each other. That's a couple's issue. Mm, yes. Okay, cool. Well, what is one of the, the common or not just one, but what are some common problems that you hear people coming to you for that, you know, it is a sexuality issue or, you know, I, and I'm just asking because I think some people are like, wait, is this something that we can help people with? Or, you know, is this even solvable? Like, what are some of the things that you work with? Oh gosh, there's an array. I mean, a very common one is couples wonder if something's wrong with them because they've been together for a while. Maybe they've been together several years. They have kids now. They have demanding jobs. They have COVID to deal with. You know, they've been in quarantine and nobody's changing out of their yoga pants for five months. Why are we not having sex anymore? Why isn't it like it was at the beginning? Why are we not like rabbits with each other and we can't keep our hands off of each other? Does that mean we're broken or something's wrong? Or does that mean I should go on and be in a different relationship, right? I can, I can have that again. Right. And so kind of educating couples about this idea of a new relationship energy and that there's, you know, sometimes we can be more in love and infatuated with each other at the beginning, because we've got a hormonal process that's happening. That's keeping us to have that attachment. It's part of our DNA. Right. And that there's a lot of resistance sometimes for couples that maybe it's not so glamorous and easy when we've been together for a while. And it might take a bit more planning and a bit more thoughtfulness about it. But it's something that we're probably going to have to accept is happening as we've been in the relationship for a while. If it means Friday night is date night, air quotes, right? And we know that that's the night that we plan to do our duty with each other maybe that doesn't feel romantic, but it's necessary because if we let too much time go and we're not attending to the needs of our relationship, we can't be surprised when we start to feel disconnected with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Now we're going to, to go into the down and dirty question of the day. How, (laughs) okay, Okay, I'm ready for you. Okay. When there is a relationship or sex issue going on there, in my experience with couples, there is always one person who is all about working on it. And there is another one that is all about not, or is just super resistant, or it feels like they're dragging their feet to get the partner, the other partner to, to do this. Okay. So what is your experience with that? And is this normal? And if so, how can we strive to improve our relationships and sex lives when we have resistant partners? So I like to reframe it because I'm a therapist. So I try to make it sound more positive, but so they're typically experiencing what we in the Gottman world call a meta emotion disconnect, which is a very fancy scientific word for one of us likes to talk about our feelings. We're comfortable with them. We let them influence us. We live in a space where it's like my intuition told me to do it versus a partner that might be more logical. And they want to talk about the black and whites and they want to, you know, convince me that there's something that makes sense about it and the pros and cons versus your feelings. And very typically couples get into relationships where at the beginning, that feels like a perfect relationship because it's like, here I am, this kind of structured, rigid person and this emotional one got me out of my head and they seem so interesting and fun and carefree. 
And then we get into the nuts and bolts of a relationship and that can be a problem because we don't view problems the same way. So that is normal, right? That is something that there are, is that dynamic for many couples. So we have to figure out what is the language that we're going to use to talk to each other because one person is not more important than the other. One person's approach is not better than the other. They're just different. And we have to accept the things that we can't change about each other, which is one partner might be more logic, analytically driven, and one person is more emotionally driven. How do we get our needs met, right? How are we going to talk about it so that it doesn't feel like I'm attacking my partner and they're getting defensive and we're bringing those four horsemen in that don't let us make any progress. They just get us rooted in our problems. And we walk away thinking that conflict is bad, which it's not, it's normal. Right. So the first thing is that that partner that's experiencing disappointment or wanting to have more sexual connection. First of all, you have to validate yourself just because your partner isn't wanting it as much as you do or they're not talking about it or they're not addressing it or saying that they need it as much as you do. There's nothing wrong with you. And sometimes we minimize our expectations based on what we think our partner will validate for us. Right. So if my partner isn't bringing it up or isn't acting like it's a very big deal or that they miss it, we might try to lower expectations or tell ourselves that it's not important. That leads to resentment. So by the time we do bring it up, we are usually so frustrated and so resentful that we can't help but attack our partner. So first of all, as it's coming up, every time it's coming up, we have to figure out how are we going to talk about it. So I got to check the pulse of my partner. Right. I got to say. So love bug, when would be a good time for us to chat? You know, I have a couple of things I just wanted to go through with you. And I know that these are usually difficult conversations for you. And I want to make sure that I don't get too emotional or we don't get into a place where we're attacking with each other. When's a good time to talk about it? So I can make sure that I'm checking in with my partner when they're open to it, right? Don't bust in when they're on a Zoom call at work and say, we got to talk about this now. We got to get this resolved. No. I want to do something that in the Gottman world, we call using a gentle startup, which is there's five parts to it. Number one, I'm talking about how I feel. I feel disconnected. I feel lonely. I feel unsatisfied. I feel kind of sex starved. When, so talk about the behaviors that are happening or words that you've been hearing. So when we are not making it a priority to have sex, when we are not engaging in regularly checking in with each other to see if we're satisfied with the status of our sex life or that we're doing the same things over and over again, or that we're not giving attention to making sure that I have an orgasm, whatever that thing is, there's a behavior that you are having a reaction to. It's not that your partner's a bad person. I don't want to attack my partner's character. That's not going to do anything for me, right? The third part is, okay, what do you want me to do about it? Because just because I say I'm unhappy with something isn't really a request of my partner. It's just sort of me venting. I don't like that I'm not having more orgasms with you. Okay, right? What is it that you would like me to do? Be specific. I would love it if we could spend an hour on the weekend watching videos together or help buying a vibrator together, whatever that thing is, what are you asking me to consider doing? And you're asking me to consider doing it because anything that I do for my partner is a gift. They are not required to do 
anything for me by virtue of the fact that we're in a relationship with each other. Give your partner an opportunity to say yes or no, that's something I'm willing to do. No, I'm not willing to do it. Or, hey, here's my compromise so that they still feel like they have some agency. I also want to let you know why it would mean so much to me if you were willing to do it. Where's my sales technique, right? You're trying to motivate me to do something. Why is it? Because I would feel so satisfied. I would think we had like the best sex life ever. I would like brag to all of my friends. I would take out like a billboard, right? (laughs) Or I would just feel more connected. I would feel like we're really seen and we're making sure that we stay in love with each other. Cause I've seen couples where they drift apart and one of them has an affair and I'm trying to make sure that we don't ever set ourselves up for that. What does that look like? What are you selling them? And then check in. Is that something you're willing to do? Cause then you have a place to go. If they say yes, yes, Tilly, I am all on board. We are going to Friday nights be our special time. And then next Friday night, we come, we, it comes and it goes and you didn't even act like you cared. Then I can be my favorite phrase for my clients, curious versus furious. <laughs> so Tilly, I was on the podcast with you and you said you would make sure that this happened next Friday and it's Saturday and nothing happened. What happened to love? What happened to us? Mm-hmm. Right? How does that feel? Yeah, a lot different. <laughs> getting upset and angry and furious for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, can you recap that? Cause yeah. So five steps and I can send this to you if you want it and you can do a link five steps. I feel name the emotion, right? It could be good too. It doesn't have to be bad. It could be like, I felt fantastic. I felt loved. I felt, you know, appreciated, whatever that thing is good or bad name, the behavior or the words that you heard. What I don't want you to do is tell your partner what they thought, what you assume they meant by it, or what you have decided their intentions were. What did I see happen with my own little eyes? Or what did, what words did I hear? If I heard you say sex isn't important to me, that impacted me, but I want to talk about my impact. So name the emotions, behavior, or words. Three, what would you like to be different? And you need to be specific listeners of your podcast, because if I just say things like, I want you to make me feel like I'm sexy. I got nowhere to go with that. I got nothing to do, but be the bad partner. Cause if I say anything other than, "Uh uh-huh, yes. Okay. And I'm probably going to screw it up because what your version of sexy is and what my version of sexy is, we're already not the same people. So tell me what that looks like. You're not belittling yourself. Your partner does not know how to read your mind. You've been with each other a long time, but they may not know exactly what that is that you're looking for. So be specific. You also need to hear yourself ask for your own needs, right? That's empowering yourself. So ask specifically what it is that you would like to have happen. Then do my sales technique. Why would it mean so much to me if they were able to do it? What would that do for you? Well, what do you anticipate it might do for the relationship? And then check in. Is that something you're willing to do? Yes. Beautiful. See, you make it sound so simple. And <laughs> I, when in our group program, our essentially embodied woman program, we have uh, some of our clients will ask things like this. And I always tell them the first three parts of that, like, state, what do I feel? Why do I feel that way? And what do I want? 
Mm-hmm. And okay, for example, we actually had this come up in our program a couple of weeks ago. One was like, I don't like the way my partner kisses me. Okay. So it's okay. What are my feeling? I'm not feeling very turned on or lit up when we are being sensual together and having, you know, some fun time. And it's not really striking my chord in the way that I want it to. Right. Okay. Why am I feeling that way? I'm feeling that way because maybe the way that I like it, I haven't shown you exactly the way that I like it yet. And maybe if I take time to show that to you, you know, it would actually support me in my turn on. I love that. You're not attacking your partner. You're talking about maybe I haven't communicated everything I could give you luckily. Right. And then the third one is, is the ask. Can we try me kissing you the way that I would want you to kiss me back. Right. Fantastic. Right. So making the request. And then it's like, when you put it that simply, what are you feeling or, you know, why are you feeling it? And what do you want instead? And then I like your sales pitch add on. That's great. (laughs) Because then we're really going to authentically kiss the way that's meaningful to both of us that we're going to be more open to like talking about these things moving forward, that we're getting rid of barriers of asking for our needs. Like, well, this is just all kinds of good stuff. I'll have a better orgasm. Therefore you'll have it like all the things. Right. And then ask your partner if that's something they're willing to do. Because if I just say, Hey, I need you to kiss me better. And let me show you how I need you to do it. Not going to work. No, because how can I not get defensive? It's human nature. I want you to love me. I want to do a good job for you. I want to stay in your high regard. If I perceive that I've done something that you didn't tell me, I feel embarrassed that I've been screwing it up. And like, it, we, we haven't created a safe space for you to talk about it before. I must be a failure at the relationship and I'm often running in all of my thoughts and I'm not even present with you anymore. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I have a, another sticky one for you. When you have two people that have gotten to this point where they're actually consciously communicating, because that's what, that's what I call it. Conscious communication. Maybe you have a different term for it, but I like it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you have a couple that is communicating effectively, but the one partner still isn't granting the request or the ask, Hmm. what do you do? (laughs) Like if you constantly tell your partner, no, this is how I like it this way, because this happens a lot where we'll have women that are starting to learn what they want, like sexually for the first time in their life, they're being brave and vulnerable and making these asks that they've never asked before. And they feel like broken records sometimes because they're having to ask and restate the request multiple times before the partner gets it. And sometimes it just seems like they're never getting it. What would you say to that? Remember my phrase, curious versus furious, which probably would be really difficult in that space because I'm furious that you're not hearing me. 
right? So how can I switch around the mindset? I want to get back into a positive perspective about my partner. I do believe they like having sex with me. I do believe they like kissing me. I do believe that they want to do better, but there's something that's a fear or a disaster scenario or something that's not in alignment with the way that they view themselves that is probably coming up more than an intention to displease me, right? Mm -hmm. So how can I talk to my partner about that? How can I say, I loved how we were last night and I, I want, as much as I enjoy what we've been doing, I noticed that we didn't go to that place that we've talked about, right? Whatever that is. And I'll say, when you hear me asking for this, what, what's coming up for you? How does that emotionally feel for you? Do you feel resistance? Do you feel worry? Do you feel disappointment? Like, I'm just curious because I can't always read you in those moments. And I'm wondering, how are you receiving my requests? Right? Are you receiving them as I'm instructing you that you're not doing good enough? Right? Or are you getting in your head that I'm thinking about somebody else and how they could have pleased me better or something I saw on TV and I'm asking you to match up to something that's not real life, right? How can I get in touch and validate for my partner, whatever that emotion is? Just because I validate it doesn't mean I agree with it, right? I can acknowledge, yeah, it's hard to have somebody ask you to, to have sex differently than you've been doing it for the last 40 years. I can hear that would be a lot. And I imagine it's been fantastic for all the other partners that you've ever had. And who am I to be asking you to change things up? I get it, right? Doesn't mean I agree. And it certainly doesn't mean that we still don't have to continue forward through this, but help me understand what objections are coming up for you so that I can validate them for you, right? And what What's the feared outcome that if we do it this way, is it taxing for you emotionally? Is it something that you're worried that we're only going to have this as an option and it's going to get too monotonous or you're not going to get your needs met or there's something painful for you? Are you are afraid you can't do this every time? Like, I'm open to hearing that because I want you to feel safe in the relationship because I love how you've made me feel safe getting to ask for my needs. The, the most I can do is also make sure that you're getting yours met. Mm. Damn. All right, ladies, go listen to that again and type <laughs> notes. <laughs> make notes and bring to your partner. <laughs> that was perfect. That was so beautiful. I love that because that's where so many people stop. Yeah. They stop with their growth because they don't, they don't know how to get past the, well, I've asked multiple times and he's still not responding to what I've asked for, or he's not responding in the way that, I, you know, I've specifically told him and there, there can be so much relationship, like at least sexually, there can be so much that the woman has been vulnerable so many times sharing this and then it can't often feel just so disappointing because she's like I'm stating my needs but they're not getting met right so yeah it, that's when the relationship dynamic always starts to come into play and I'm like well there's something going on with them that they're not able to fulfill the request so I love how you said it and that was yeah, yeah. Your partner wants to be your hero. Your partner wants to please you. Your partner wants to hit all the buttons and for you to have mind-blowing sex in their presence. That is never not a goal of any client I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think really 
understanding that, you know, if you've been in a relationship with someone, a committed relationship with someone, that that's always the stance. But we've got often a lot of our own woundings and baggages that keep us from fully believing that our partner would even want the best all of the time, right? Some of us start to question that when there's an ongoing sexuality issue, right? So, you know, well, I keep asking and blah, 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 and it doesn't respond, whatever. So trusting that, you know, if they're in a relationship with you, it's a committed relationship. They absolutely want the best relationship and sex life possible as well. But there's obviously some sort of block that you're both coming up against. So that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I also think that sometimes that can be unintentionally creating some guilt and shame because if we've been in a relationship for let's say five years and you're just now realizing to come into your own and ask her what you want, fantastic. Go do you empower yourself. What does that mean about what you've been doing for the last five years with me and not saying anything about it? And I assumed you were enjoying it. And I assumed I was hitting all of the spots for you that you needed. And now you tell me, I'm really working for me. I was just kind of going along with things. I don't know where to go from that as a partner. I feel like, first of all, am I being an inattentive partner? How could I have been this intimate with you and not recognize that you were not enjoying it? Or basically, are you telling me that I was being so selfish that I didn't even recognize that you weren't getting your needs met? I mean, there's stuff that's happening for that person when they find out that maybe they weren't pleasing you the way that they thought they were. That could be a little embarrassing. Right. Can, is, how do we be sensitive to their feelings? Yeah. So, so much truth there. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And then there's a sense of internal guilt and shame for the women that, you know, I've encountered sure. and worked with for not knowing because that's why they come to us. They don't know what they want. Like, so they've just been having obligatory sex because that's their duty as wife or whatever they think. Right. Um, that's just what you do to keep a man around and make sure he doesn't have an affair. You know, that's the conditioning. And when you don't know, and you've never really discovered and, and, you know, really played with your own body to discover what it is you want. Like there is this sense of weight. Oh my God. I can't believe I've been in a relationship for this long or been having sex for this long in my life. And I've never been able to say what I wanted but you're so right that like, what is a partner to do about that? <laughs> like, that's a you, a you problem, right? <laughs> well, cause you're basically talking about this idea of learning how to set boundaries, right? I'm no longer going to have sex. That doesn't mean something for me. I'm not going to just service you and take a backseat. And so what we often do when we're new at boundaries, which it kind of sounds like some of us are right. It's we're like a pendulum. I used to be over here and I let everybody like take advantage of me and I didn't give myself any thought. And it's almost like if I swing the other way, I'm like, you will do everything I like. And I'm not going to care about your feelings because I have to stay in this space where I'm only making sure my needs are met. Right. But like a pendulum, we have to land in the middle. And the hardest thing to do when we're learning how to ask for our needs is simultaneously have empathy for how it impacts the other person. Doesn't mean I change it. Doesn't mean I'm gonna do something different. I can simultaneously say, I get it. We've been having sex like this for 20 years and this is new information. And nevertheless, we're gonna to have to figure out how we add it in. Yep. Right? 
Awesome. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Well, what else would you like to share with the audience around relationship conflict? Or is there any other nuggets of wisdom or anything you want to share before we wrap up the call? I just like to normalize for couples that conflict is normal because so many couples come into couples therapy and they're embarrassed. They're looking at the floor. They don't want to make eye contact. There's still this stigma about coming to couples therapy. That means we're broken or that we failed in some way. And that is not the case at all. Right. Conflict is normal. You are not the same people. You don't view the world the same way. You didn't have the same family of origin. You don't have the same expectations, right? It's a hundred percent normal to have conflict. It's what we do when we find ourselves there that says everything about the success of our relationship moving forward. And most of us have zero tools, right? So you're coming to couples therapy to put new tools in your toolbox, you didn't have your parents probably do this ideal, like, you know, modeling for you of what healthy conflict looks like. We either saw our parents kind of yell and scream at each other and we wanted to do the opposite or we just follow what we saw happen. Or we got this weird impression that because we didn't see our parents fight, that meant that they didn't have any conflict. Oh, no, no, no. Right. It's it's normal. So I want couples to embrace that it's 100% normal that they have things that they have to work out. And it's there's no shame in coming to couples therapy and getting some tools. Yeah. And isn't it like most couples wait six years too long to do therapy? What's this to say? Yeah. Is that six, right? Six years. The average couple waits six years and they have one conflict per week. Gosh, we're a little bit of a hot mess express by the time we come to couples therapy, right? So it, you don't have to keep beating your head against the wall. And I certainly feel so bad for those clients that are like, okay, well, we've been holding out for therapy for when things get really bad. Mm -hmm. So if we're at the last and we go to therapy and that doesn't work, that's the last box that we check before we get a divorce. Um, no pressure on the couples therapy, right? right? I mean- come to it earlier. If you're having difficulty, there's nothing wrong with needing to come to couples therapy. We're real people. We have relationships too, right? We're not going to choose sides. We're not going to tell you one of you is a total screw up. We just want you to have the best life possible. And if that means that you end it in couples therapy, that's okay too. Our job is not to make sure that you stay married at no cost, right? We are here to help you evaluate, to give you tools, to truly help you have the best life possible. Mm, awesome. All right, my love, thank you so much for sharing. And where can we find you or connect with you? You can find me in a couple of places. So if you are interested in therapy, we do intensives where people come from all around the world to spend a weekend with one of my therapists and we can do a lot of work. And um, that website is therapygetaway.com. If you're in California and you want to meet with one of my therapists, I have a group practice and that's um, SD, short for San Diego, where I'm at, sdrelationshipplace.com. And if you want to connect with me, um, danamcneil.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this beautiful method and, and all of your wisdom and oh my God. I, I can see how many women are going to be like, wait, where did she say that? Let me go back and slow it down, put it on half speed so I can type this out. I know I talk really fast too when I'm excited. So you guys might want to put this on half speed and uh, do a lot of rewind. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, my love. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is really fun, Tilly. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh, mamas, I hope you enjoyed that amazing interview with Dr. Dana. I have a super time-sensitive announcement for you. We are starting a sacred sex and relationship initiation couples group coaching program. We are actually combining our Tantra for Lovers program and our relationship coaching program because we've had so much interest in it. I can no longer take one-on-one clients and couples like this anymore. So we are combining the best of both worlds and we have created a brand new amazing, divine, sacred sex and relationship initiation couples group coaching program to deepen your intimacy and to spark erotic passion over a lifetime. So if you are a couple who's wanted more intimacy and connection to ignite your passion again, to learn tantric sex together, strengthen your communication skills, to discover, explore, and play in each other's unique erotic wiring and language, and to get on the freaking same page sexually, learn new skills and techniques, spice things up, heal relationship wounds together, then this is the program for you, my loves. We are taking deposits for this program because this is a brand new program. We've had so much interest in the couple's work. Uh, we are actually taking deposits for a very short amount of time. So the deposits are refundable considering that you're not a good fit for the program after you talk to me. So what you'll do is you're going to go to www.tillystorm.com forward slash Tantra. On Sunday, February 27th, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is the only time that you are going to be able to make a $500 deposit to reserve your spot in this program. We'll be starting this program the week of March 28th, 2022. So we're about a month out from starting. And this is going to fill up. This is absolutely going to be, we're going to have a wait list for this. So you're going to want to get your deposit in ASAP. If you get your deposit in and you were one of the first five couples to get your deposit in, then you will start the week of March 28th. If you are past the first five to get your deposit in, you will not be starting the program until about six weeks later. Putting your $500 deposit down on February 27th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time will also lock you in for a very special early bird pricing rate because this is a brand new program. Uh, We have reduced what it would normally cost to do this program. And the only way that you're going to get that reduced cost is if you make your deposit on Sunday, February 27th. So if you wait, the cost of the program goes up $1,500 and you won't be able to get that special pricing. So even if you are not one of the first five couples to make your deposit, even if you do make the deposit, you're going to lock yourself into the early bird pricing rate, and you won't be able to start for at least you know six weeks past the March 28th date. So my suggestion is absolutely get the deposit in ASAP because it's going to, number one, lock you into the special price, And number two, make sure that you can actually get into the program uh, for the March 28th start date or the one six weeks after that. Spots will fill up. There will not be space after this. If you get on the wait list, you might be waiting 12 weeks. So 
go ahead, reserve your deposit now and lock in this special rate. If you are not on our email list already, you will get email reminders if you are on our email list. But if you aren't, you're going to want to go to www.tillystorm.com and put your name and email for any of our free resources, and you will start getting our emails. If you are not on the list, I highly encourage you to get on it so you get the email reminders about the cart open. Right now, that link isn't going to go anywhere but to take a quiz. Uh, so you're not going to be able to make the deposit until 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, February 27th. Can't wait to meet you. After you book your deposit, the next step is you're going to be invited to book a call. This is only refundable if on the call, uh, I deem that you're not a great fit for the program. So if you have major relationship issues, if you're doing this as a last resort to save your marriage, if you argue and fight all of the time, this program is not for you. Please go see Dr. Dana McNeil. <laughs> I don't mean to throw clients on her that have like major problems or anything, but um, I do not work with high conflict relationships. This is a relationship to take you higher. So you must already be in good standing with your partner and have a good relationship with them in order to do this program. So if you uh, book that call and we determine that this is not the right program for you, your refundable deposit will be refunded. So check it out. And I can't wait to meet you. Enjoying this content, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast today. And don't forget to spread the love by sharing this with a friend.